2: Last week we uh, finished up at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. And in that fifth chapter towards the end there, we have a lot of instructions. Paul's giving some general instructions to the church in Thessalonica. And they're general instructions, but you understand their purpose because... This is a church that had no understanding of what a church was supposed to be like and what a church was supposed to act like. And he's given some general instructions dealing but with both their inner life and their outer life. And verse 19 speaks specifically to their inner life how they are to conduct themselves. And it is a broad-reaching verse, and we talked about it. Uh, that was the only verse we discussed last week. It says, Do not quench or suppress or subdue the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, the Holy Spirit is what Christ put us in union with. It is His Spirit and our Spirit, the new creation, the two become one. Like... Tea and water, you can't separate it. Or flour and milk, you can't separate it. The two have become one. They've become a new entity. And He has given us His Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's purpose is for us to have through Him all that we need to walk and to live as a new creation. To empower us to live out this new life called the Christian life. It was never within us to live apart from him. We could never do it on our own. We could never meet the strict and stark requirements of the law. We couldn't do it. No man could. But Jesus fulfilled the law and then joined his spirit with us and gave us a new beginning. We became a new creation. Now, that new creation is is to live and to feed from the life of Christ. But we have the same soul. And that soul is the place where we choose to live it out. So Paul says, do not quench that. Do not shut the door to that. Do not deny that. Yield to that so that you might have life. That's what he's telling. And isn't that a fundamental instruction for a new church? Isn't that something every new believer ought to hear? Isn't it? And the reality is that many new believers... Don't hear it up front. Many new believers spend their time trying to conform this by their own strength and their own will to an image of Christ. And how successful are you at doing that? Doesn't work, does it? How many of you have tried? Well, I have. It didn't work. Now, verse 20. We'll move right on to verse 20. Verse 20 says, Do not spurn... The gifts and utterances of the prophets do not depreciate prophetic revelations, nor despise inspired instruction or exhortation or warning. Now, as I said last week, a lot of theologians have connected verse 19 with verse, through verses 22 and said they're all about Paul addressing some kind of spiritual distortion in the Thessalonian church. I don't believe that. I think, and I said this last week, I believe that these are general instructions. And while they are together, they're not necessarily connected. Because if that kind of distortion was going on within the Thessalonian church, Paul would have been much more pointed with these new believers. He would have given it a lot more ink, just like he did in 1 Corinthians. And they hadn't even read 1 Corinthians, because 1 Corinthians hadn't even been written yet. The church of Corinth wasn't even formed yet. So I believe that this is general This is instructions, and listen to this. Do not spurn the gifts. Do not cast them aside. Do not look at them and say, you know what? I can take it or leave it. And let me identify the prophetic gifts. Prophetic gifts back in the time that Paul taught, the prophetic utterances that he is talking about, if you take that word... The the Greek word, prophetia, does not necessarily mean predictions and mystical proclamations or some kind of super spiritual proclamation. What that word literally refers to is speaking forth. Vine's commentary says it's speaking forth the will of God. And that's what he's referring to. Now, back in that day... Paul was speaking forth the will of God in the form of teaching and expository preaching. And that is where we got the letter of Thessalonians. He was literally speaking the word of God. And at that point, the canon of Scripture, the New Testament, had not been completed. Now today, we really have very little use for prophetic speaking in that context. What we have is we have, the closest thing we have to it, is expository preaching and teaching. By definition, it is the same. It's not the preacher up here giving you new revelation. It's a preacher up here allowing the Spirit of God to unveil and reveal the Word of God. Now we have the complete canon of Scripture. Prophetic utterances, prophetic speaking is addressing The Scripture. It is to be aligned with the Scripture. Paul is telling them, do not despise the revelation or the instruction of the Word. But when it comes to prophecy, if we're unsure or we don't know, we don't comment on it, we just examine it. When prophecy is a contradiction to Scripture, we correct or we reprove. And when it's wisdom and truth, we give God the glory because revelation comes from God, not from man. To correct, reprove, by the way, is not contempt and mocking. And I say that. I know I have been guilty. And when you watch some stuff they put out in what they call Christian or evangelical television, it's real easy to get caught in that because some of it's just flat silly. But the reality is that God has not called us to that. The Spirit of God would not have us enter into that because what that is is self-righteousness. And the bottom line is that we don't have to enter into it because as long as our heart is for Him, as long as we are adamant about receiving the truth that He has for us, then we don't need to be distracted with what other people are doing, do we? For this young church, it's important also to remember that Paul wanted them to be sure not to despise, not to reject the instruction or the exhortation or the warning that God brought forth through their leaders. I think that this lines up with what we talked about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12-13, through where he says, Now also we beseech you, brethren... Get to know those who labor among you. Recognize them for what they are. Acknowledge and appreciate and respect them all, your leaders, who are over you in the Lord, and those who warn and kindly reprove and exhort you. And hold them in very high and most affectionate esteem in intelligent and sympathetic appreciation for their work. Be at peace among yourselves. So it's very... It makes sense that Paul is saying to them, look guys, these guys that are your your spiritual leaders, don't despise, don't reject. And you know, I think, as I had mentioned when we went through the verse, it's quite likely that the people that are in that small fellowship knew these spiritual leaders before they were spiritual, and certainly before they were leaders. So it would have been real easy for them to despise or set aside or reject reject or mock, it would have been easy for them to compare who they were with who they are and make commentary, but they chose not to do that. And Paul says, if you do that, if you go down that road, you're not rejecting those men, you're rejecting what God has brought to you through those men. It's important for you to receive, to honor the word of God as it comes to you. Do not spurn or reject. Do not quench the Spirit of God. Look at this as from Him. You know, it reminds me of that verse in Matthew, Matthew thirteen fifty seven, where Jesus says, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Prophetic utterances are to build up and to encourage believer. This is the work of the Spirit. When we despise that work, we quench the spirit. 1 Corinthians 14:3 says, "But on the other hand, the one who prophesies, who interprets the divine will and purpose in inspired preaching and teaching, speaks to men for their upbuilding and constructive spiritual progress and encouragement and consolation." And I look at that and I say, "Well, that is the purpose of what we preach. To enforce, to up for that construction that the Spirit of God is doing in your soul, bringing you into the truth of all that He's already given you in your spirit. And that's the reality of it. I don't come in here to entertain you. I come in here so that the Spirit of God speaks to you, so that you worship. You don't need me, but this is the way God set it up. This is the way he intended to feed his family. That you gather together. Now we're a pretty small group, aren't we? But you know what? Everyone that was to be at the table is here. And those who chose to ignore the call of God to come to the table, well, they've missed it. They've missed a blessing. They've missed what God had for them. And I'm not talking about necessarily what I say. I'm not putting any weight in my performance as a preacher I am talking about the Spirit of God's chosen way to communicate. this It's here in the quietness of this place as we worship Him. It's also when you leave... But he says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. He's not saying that that's because that's the only place I'll speak to you. He's saying that in that place, I have a special word for you. In that place, you are to affirm one another. In that place, you are healing to one another. My presence and the people around you is going to bring something to my word that you're not going to get out there by yourself. And that's why you have, even people who have never read that verse or don't know that verse and know very little scripture at the very risk of their lives gathering in dark places to be together and to worship. That's the unction of the Spirit of God. That's not some preacher up there nailing it into him. That's the unction of the Spirit of God. We're not to be indifferent to the preaching and teaching of Scripture, nor are we to neglect personal study. We should seek to gather together with an expectation to hear the Spirit speak to our hearts. And you know what? That's so important. You know, we live this life by faith. And when you come through the doors back there, what I want you to come in for is an expectation to worship. An expectation to hear Him. Not necessarily me, but to hear Him. To be quiet in the soul and listen for Him. If you're here for any other reason then that other reason is a distraction from the reason that God actually has you here. You're going to be looking away from what God wants you to focus on. Listen, God has you here for the purpose of speaking to your heart. Can you believe that he has something to say to you? Sometimes when we get, we get distracted in our souls with all the confusion and all the things that are going around us, good things, bad things, it's real easy to, to, to come in and say, well, I hope He says something that ministers to me. No. Come in here. Quiet your soul and say, Father, speak to me. I would hear you today. And if He speaks through the words that I give you, then glory to God, for it's His Word. He may speak to you through something totally different. You may be reading in Scripture that I'm applying one place and He'll apply it another. That's happened to me. The reality of it is that you're here to hear Him. Come expecting to hear Him. As I said, as a pastor, I know that it's not my word or insight that changes lives or invokes revival in the soul. But it's the Spirit of God. The true exhortation of Scripture is the work of the Spirit of God in your hearts. It's not the work or the study of man. That doesn't get it done. God has and will call you to a place of gathering just like this one. And He will prepare a message for you. And you know, those places of gathering vary through the week. I'm speaking specifically of gathering as a body of Christ, but you know, God calls you, prepares a message for you wherever you go. Did you know that? Whatever you're entering into. Many times I enter into circumstances and situations trying to think how I'm going to resolve, how I'm going to make it most comfortable for me or my loved ones, how I'm going to work out the issues. And while that seems like the prudent thing to do, the reality of it is that God didn't allow me to enter into those circumstances so that I could help him work them out. God allowed those circumstances so that I could be quiet and receive from Him the revelation of Christ in those circumstances. That's the good of those circumstances. We think the good of a circumstance is resolving it to our advantage or to the advantage of others. That's not it at all. The good of every circumstance in your life, no matter who you are, no matter how young or old you are, in every circumstance, from your health to your daily living, in every circumstance, the goal of that situation is that you have the revelation that you are held and kept as a child of God. That he has nurture for you in all things. That even in the waste places, even in the dark and barren places, there is sustenance for you, specifically for you. God has and will call you to a place of gathering. And that is a place where you come to worship your God with an expectation to receive from him. If you are yielded and listening, you will hear the Spirit speak truth to your soul. That's what this is about. Do not despise what he would say. And then verse 21. But test and prove all things until you can recognize what is good. To that hold fast. Now notice Paul says all things. That goes well beyond the religious activities. Doesn't it? It goes into every area of your life. And that word examine means to prove or examine, to test as one proves metals in fire, testing the quality of them and the purity of them. 1 John 4.1 says, Beloved, do not put faith in every spirit, but prove, test the spirits to discover whether they proceed from God, for many false prophets have gone forth into the world. You see, what he's talking about is the origin of the message. Where did it come from? To test the origin of what we receive as truth, whether it proceeds from God or from some other source. You see, we have an allergy issue. If we receive something from some other source than God into our soul, we'll have a reaction. That's the bottom line, because we were made for Him. This is not about living in paranoia or suspicion. It's a determination of the heart. Do you want Him more than any distractions that the world may present to you? Do you want Him more than anything that you may be able to gather unto yourself? Is your heart really for Him? Is your desire to know Him? Is your passion for Him? Then if that is true, then what you receive will either endorse or confirm with the Spirit of God within you, or the Spirit of God will check it. And that's when you stop. That's when you stop and examine what you've just heard or what you receive. I'm telling you that you can turn on the, the Christian radio and listen to a number of preachers, and no preacher gets it right all the time, including me. No preacher gets it right all the time. But you'll be listening to them, and they'll say something, and something within you will just go, huh? And you'll know. Now, at that point, you need to ask some questions. You need to check it against Scripture. That's the wise thing to do. But you don't need to be paranoid about everything that's said, because if your heart is for Christ, if your heart is to know Him, if your heart is to receive Him, then you're listening for the voice of the Spirit. You're not keeping yourself focused on the voice of man. You see the difference? If you are listening for the voice of the Spirit, then you will hear Him. If you're listening for the voice of man, you'll hear a whole lot of stuff, and who knows how much of it will be true. If you choose to live in that truth, to determine with your life to know him, then you will be able to eat the meat of revelation and throw out the bones of distraction and falsity. And that's the way he designed us to live. When I'm trying to hear my wife, I will strain through whatever noise is going on around me that I may catch every word. Now, you've done this, and with those of us who have limited hearing, we do it all the more. And your eyes are fixed on their faces, particularly their lips, as they talk to you, because you want to affirm and confirm that you're understanding what they're saying. Many times she'll be speaking to me in the other room, and I will say, Wait a minute, and I'll come in there, because even though I can hear her, I want to see her face. Because it helps me understand what she's saying. I'm telling you that if your heart is focused on him, there's less room for any misunderstanding. And if your desire is to hear him, then you will find yourself seeking truth rather than seeking to be distracted. And you want to know where most of the issues are in modern Christendom today? There are a lot of people out there seeking to be distracted rather than seeking truth. They're always collecting more information, but never living in any of it. Here's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that the beginning of being able to prove the truth is in your determination to know the truth. The beginning of being able to prove the truth is in your determination to know the truth. Because if you're not determined to know the truth, then you won't be able to prove it. You'll hear what you want to hear and you'll prove what you want to prove. Romans twelve two says, Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external, superficial customs. But be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourself what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in His sight. For you, Paul is again identifying the issue of the soul. The soul is that vacuum, always receiving. And when it comes to spiritual exhortation, there should be a dependency upon the Spirit of God, the Spirit in the center of who you are. There should be a dependency upon Him to check that which you receive, yielding everything unto Him, recognizing He is your nurture, not people. And allowing the scripture and the word of God to speak truth without trying to set it aside. If we are self-centered and immersed in our own ideas and agendas, we'll be unable to prove what is acceptable. And then Paul continues and he says, so until you can recognize, you keep doing this, you keep proving it, you keep sifting it until you can recognize the truth. You know, for those of us who have been living out in the world and our soul is cluttered with carnal thinking and carnal living, and we've been living to the flesh and living to an identity in the soul, when God moves into our lives and He says, you know what, I'm making a change in you so that you can really understand who you are, in the beginning there's a lot of baggage in the soul that we don't know how to deal with it. And God says, you keep on determined, determined to know the truth. That's what all that examining is about. It's about your determination to know the truth. When you see miners looking for gold, they're checking everything that even looks like gold. They're checking. They're checking all the surrounding conditions. They're constantly looking because they have a goal in mind and it's truth. And that's what God wants you. Continue checking. And here's what He says... Hold fast, hold fast. Now, if I were to tell you in any other setting to hold fast, what would I be implying? Well, that you might—you better hold on to it. You could lose it, couldn't you? Isn't that what I'd be implying? If I put you in a boat and about to take off, and I told you to hold fast, what would you think I meant by that? You better hold on. You're liable to fall out. Well, here's the reality. The Spirit of God, Father God, has put you here to grow you and to teach you and to bring you along in truth. You're not going to get any more truth than you've already got within you, but He's going to expose you to the truth within. And He's going to illustrate all that He has done in your life. Now, here's what's going to happen. Every day, in some way, God is going to teach you something. Here's what Paul is saying. Now remember, these guys didn't have the Word. They didn't have the uh, the Scriptures. They had the Word within. So it was important for them to hold fast to everything that God taught them.
1: Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to his life in every situation. Rest in his life moment by moment and receive from his life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory
0: is Christ in you.